eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, we're so glad we're coming at you with still more football to talk about in another game coming up. It could have been a lot different compared to last week when we were going into week number 18 and really the unknown if the Bills were even going to make the playoffs, let alone the two seed. Here they are, Bills-Steelers. We know the matchup now. We've had a couple of days to sit on it and think about it. Sal Capaccio here. Matt Bove, it's always game day in Buffalo. And I, I think the last couple of days, Matt, since you and I last talked, for me, and you can tell me for you, it's kind of been about resetting a little bit, exhaling a little bit, kind of recalibrate, recalibrating everything because it was such a, you know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's the future hold? Now at least we know that and we can get back into football and talking about it. Yeah, for sure. But I think the page, you know, you talk about the 24-hour rule and how for the team, they enjoy this for 24 hours and then it's off to the next thing. I think the 24-hour rule gets thrown out the window when you're in the playoffs. I think the conversation shifts to your opponent almost immediately. I think Sunday night was about celebrating. I'm sure the plane ride back was very fun. And then after that, it's like, okay, well, now we've got a game to play. And it goes back to what we said on the last episode about Josh telling Sean, Josh, excuse me, telling Stefan on the field after the game. Four more wins, four more wins. 
that starts with one. And I've you know seen the behind the scenes clips from NFL films of the team in the locker room and all this stuff. Like they realize the opportunity that they have, and I think they realize how important it is to make sure that they do not let this one slip away. No doubt about it. It is four more wins from here, three to get to the Super Bowl, one to win the Super Bowl after that, of course. And the Bills will be home for two of those if they take care of business against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. But to take care of business, they're going to have some challenges. We'll get into the weather in a little while, but let's talk about on the field first, Matt, and that is, of course, injuries. Several players went down with injuries last week. You know, I I guess a lot of people didn't realize Taylor Rapp got hurt on that last play, but he was Mm -hmm. hurt, and it took a long time on the field. As you knew, you were at the game. I was at the game. But even when I brought it up um, on WGR, most people said, oh, I thought he just kind of was, he got the wind knocked out of him. But no, he actually had an injury, had a calf injury. So he's on the injury report. So is Gabe Davis. We have a report from Ian Rappaport out there that he's got a PCL sprain. We'll see what the case is there. Russell Douglas has a knee injury. Ty Johnson's in a concussion protocol. Tyrell Dodson left the game with a shoulder injury. And Deion Dawkins left the game with a hand laceration. They stitched it up. He came back. What did Sean McDermott say about these injuries and where do you think everything kind of stands good and bad and encouraging or not encouraged about what you've heard? So I think the overall blanket encouragement is that all of the injuries and all of the players that missed practice on Wednesday, we're recording this Wednesday night, are considered day-to-day. So it does not appear that any of them will be substantially long-term injuries. Now, that's good news, but it's also a one-week season at this point. So anything that's more than potentially missing this game is, I think, a little bit too far down the road. Of the guys that are on that list that did not participate today, so Tyrell Dodson, Russell, Russell Douglas, Gabe Davis, those are the three big ones to me. Ty Johnson, of course, he's in concussion protocol. Good sign that he was limited, but if you don't have Ty Johnson, I think you can adjust accordingly. Now, let me just stop real quick. I want to make sure everybody is clear on this. They had a walkthrough on Wednesday, so it's it's an Uh estimated report of if we had a full practice, this is what everybody would be. Russell Douglas of the guys that did not participate for the walkthrough on Wednesday would be absolutely to me the most notable absence and the one that would be the biggest blow for the Bills because of the level that he has played at. Now, all of that said, I think that Dane Jackson did a nice job when he came into the game. And I think with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, you should should be able to get those two guys to hold their own against you know, the Steelers top two wide receivers, especially if at this game, the weather is going to be a factor and there's not much of a passing attack for the Steelers, but you want your best players out there. Douglas told me after the game that he thought he could have went back on the field. That is a good sign to me. That's a sign that tells me he's close because if he was considering going back into the game, that makes me think maybe it's a pain tolerance level. Maybe it's they're trying to figure out what the level or the chances are that he could re-injure himself is. So if they could get Douglas back, I think that would be a really, really big piece for this team. I think he would be the most notable absence. And then for me, even though Dotson has played an elevated game and there might be a lot of running in this game, the next one to me is still Gabe. Because even though Shakir had a nice game, even though Kincaid had a nice game, even though Sherfield did more in this game than he's done all season, you still want the most options you have offensively, especially for him. He's their best blocker in the run game as far as the wide receivers are concerned. He's almost on the field like every single snap. I know that he makes mistakes that people get frustrated with, but he's still their second best wide receiver. I'm going to have a bit of a different take on this, but I I don't think you're completely wrong at all. Everything you said makes complete sense. I think Tyrell Dotson might be the biggest loss because of everything you said. Tyrell Dotson's been very good against the run. Steelers are going to want to pound the ball. They're going to want to shorten this game. 
I, I'm not super comfortable going to a game with Balen Spector as the starting middle linebacker as much as Balen, I'm sorry, starting weak side linebacker, as much as Balen Spector played pretty darn well when he came in against the Miami Dolphins. This is a different animal. This isn't the Miami uh-huh. Dolphins. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers who are, their identity is being physical and running the ball. They're going to want to do that. And I think because of exactly what you said about the passing game, I think it mitigates maybe, you know, what you need out of Rasul Douglas at corner. Of course, he's a very important part, and you'd love to have him. I agree with that. And Trent Shurfield, you're not losing a ton in the blocking game with Gabe Davis, and Trent Shurfield's a good blocker for sure. And Mm -hmm. I think he's coming on and having a good connection with Josh, which quite honestly, Gabe hasn't lately. And again, I'd rather have Gabe Davis available on the field, but I don't Mm -hmm. think at this point you're losing all that much. So I think the bigger, the biggest loss could be in the middle of that defense with Tyrell Dodson, but I'm also very encouraged the fact that he was limited. Now, what's funny is I believe I go back on Wednesday, Matt. Didn't McDermott say he wouldn't practice and then he was listed as limited on the report? Yeah, that's why I think I actually just said on that when I was just talking because that's what Sean told us this morning. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I, and I think that's encouraging, obviously. Now, Ty Johnson being limited, you said it right there. That's mm-hmm. a great sign that he's going through the protocol, but you never know how all that ends up. Now, I'd also say a sneaky loss would be, I mean, sneaky, I mean, if Taylor Rapp weren't able to play, look, mm-hmm. it's, it's a safety. I get it. But what the Bills have been able to do with Jordan Poyer and dime situations and move him down and bring Taylor Rapp in, I think has been really good for this team. And I think Taylor Rapp has had a really good second half when he didn't have a great first half because I don't think they were necessarily using him in the best role. They figured that out. And Taylor Rapp obviously had not only the interception, but right before that, he had a great pass breakup. Almost, he almost had yeah. the interception. And Taylor Rapp with a healthy Micah Hyde next to him is, is a nice combo for how they want to play their dime defense. So... Even in that situation, the way Mason Rudolph's getting it to his receivers not right now, I think you need Taylor Rapp available. Isn't it interesting, though? So he has a calf injury. Mm-hmm. Did it happen on the last play? Because to I me, know. when I watch that play, I'm down on the field for the end of the game. Obviously, you're down there for the sideline. I see him make the interception. You know, immediately you're thinking, oh, my God, they won the division. Then you're like, OK, he got hurt. What happened? Yep. It looks like the winds got knocked out of him because he landed on the ball. He gets up. He walks into the locker room. He's with all of his teammates. They're all super pumped up. Then it's a calf injury. So to me, that says one of two things. Either he hurt his calf on that play, which it did not look like, or he was playing through it. So for me, if you're able to play through something and then be on the field for the last play of the game for the defense, that makes me a little bit more optimistic that you'll be available if you're needed to be available. Well, we talked the the last time (laughs) after the game about the guys who filled in and they did a really fantastic job, you know, and but you know now that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have a full week of knowing and looking at this they're going to try to maybe see who these guys are take advantage of them so you want all hands on deck there's no doubt another guy that we didn't really talk about i don't think should have any danger because he finished the game is Dion Dawkins obviously but boy high marks high marks to Ryan Vandermark for coming into the game and this week whether it's Dion Dawkins which it should be or Ryan Vandermark no TJ Watt on the other side speak so for injuries Matt I could say, even if you took away the five guys we're talking about for the Bills, I mean, what, three guys who didn't practice, I guess, I think T.J. Watt's lone absence is bigger than the collective absence of all those guys for the Bills. T.J. Watt's their best player. T.J. Yeah. Watt would be like if the Bills were going into this game. It's not quite like Josh Allen's because Josh Allen plays the most important position in the entire sport, but it would be like if the Bills were going into this game without Stefan Diggs or the Bills were going into this game without, like you said, the collection of the players that they have. But I still think the T.J. Watt loss is greater yeah. than anything we would realize from the Bills' stand. I mean, he led the NFL in sacks. 
He had 19 sacks this past season. He is a freak. And he has played against the Bills incredibly well when they have played him. So for them, I think it's Josh said it. I really like the way Josh Allen said it on Wednesday. It is not like a, they don't have anybody else. Now you just need to focus on Cam Hayward and Highsmith and those other guys who can certainly get after you. But it's one less person that you need to always be looking out for because he is somebody who can change a game on one snap. Yeah, what a, what a fantastic season. 19 sacks. He's uh, really three, good. Let's see, four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. Uh, he mm-hmm. also has an interception on the season. He's com- combined for 68 total tackles, 36 quarterback hits, which is amongst the, the tops in the league, I believe. But, yeah, it's a, it's a significant, significant loss. And you're right. And I think that's you know what you do now. You kind of slide protection to Hayward, who hasn't had the best season. He was He was hurt early in the year. He came back. He's 34 years old. He isn't really what he was right now, but you never know. He's a fantastic player, of course. And then in the back end, they may get making Fitzpatrick back. That would be a really good boost for their secondary. If they don't, there's some opportunity there. But this is a Steelers team that I do think the Bills can throw the ball. The problem is, Matt, the weather might really reduce those chances to be able to do it successfully. I always say weather is the ultimate equalizer for an, an underdog to pull the upset. All it takes one bad throw, one bad bounce, one fumble that goes awry, and all of a sudden you're talking about a different ball game, and that's what the Steelers would love. The Steelers would love to take advantage of a couple mistakes by the Bills, a couple bad bounces, drop, whatever, the ball, and then they get up by 10 points, and they grind the game down. That's what they would love to do. Yes. Now, I agree with everything that you just said. Bad weather hurts the Bills. I do believe that. But at the same time, because of who the Bills quarterback is, I also think it might make the gap even bigger. So I guess it depends on how bad the weather is and if this is something that the Bills can still not play their normal type of game in, but play closer to their normal type of game. The Steelers already are a run first team. If the weather is bad, they are going to be even more of a run first team. If they are that one-dimensional, that makes me think, and this is just my kind of philosophy on this, you really can hone in on stopping the run. And if you still get beat, then you've got a very serious flaw in either your game plan or the roster that you're putting out there. For the Bills, you if they are if the if the weather is so bad that you can only run the ball, at least the Bills have the option of not just turning around and handing it to a running back, but also having their quarterback run the ball because that's the skill set he has. Mason Rudolph is not going to run all over you in this game. That would be shocking if he did. And even with the conditions, if it's snowing and if the wind is manageable, Josh can still throw the ball. I mean, he still threw the ball in the wind game against the Patriots. Well, what's funny about that, it's a great example because remember like through three quarters, he wasn't throwing the ball. Like, And all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they let him throw the ball and you're like, dude, we should have been doing this all along. Like he can do it. Mm-hmm. Like even though the other team doesn't want to do it at all, doesn't trust their quarterback. Maybe the Bills should have trusted their quarterback to do it because he's showing he can, obviously. Yeah. So I actually have the game book from that game up. He mm-hmm. completed, I mean, he attempted in that game 30 passes. And they were almost all at the end. And if you would have went yeah, back and said, how many passes, right? how many passes would they actually try and you know attempt? You would have said, I don't know, 10, 15. Mac Jones was two of three for 19 yards. Josh Allen was 15 of 30 for 145 and a touchdown. And that was the extreme of wind. It does not. And, and feel like Dawson Knox dropped one right near the goal line. 
it does not feel like the wind is going to be that right. crazy in this game. I'm not a meteorologist, but I work at a news station with meteorologists. It's still very early in the week. There is a lot that can change. And that is always the first thing that they say of like, listen, this is what we're saying on Wednesday. Let's give it a couple more days. But it feels like from what I've heard and read and had conversations about, it could be 15 to 20 miles an hour with gusts that are a little bit higher than that. That's not insane. It's all about the snow. If you have that with snow, then it's really tricky. But if it doesn't snow or it snows a little bit, I don't think it completely changes the way you're going into this game for the Bills. I, I just don't. I think it it impacts you, but it doesn't completely kill what you're trying to do. We will talk with Andrew Filipponi of 93.7 The Fan and Pittsburgh our Odyssey Sister Station and um, host on the first and what is it called? Bet. Bet and I got it. Pod. First in pod. There you go. First in pod. It's a betting podcast uh, with Danny Parkins here on our Odyssey podcast network. We'll do that in a little while. But first, let's talk about some more interesting weather this weekend. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Matt. Kansas City, the Chiefs in the Midwest, taking on the Miami Dolphins. You talk about bad weather, it's going to be like zero degrees possibly with blowing snow across the plains and nothing that I really want to see here in Buffalo for a game. I've been on the sidelines for those kinds of games. Nothing I want to see. It's going to be a really interesting situation for the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And honestly, the way the Chiefs offense has kind of struggled this year, even though the Dolphins are the team from South Florida and they're going there, they rely on this big passing game. 
I give them a chance because of everything I just said earlier about the the weather and you know mitigating the game a little bit, or uh, I should say evening out the game. I don't think the cold plays that much of a factor in these games. I think it's certainly not ideal. It's the Miami right. Dolphins. They like playing in warm weather. But in the playoff game last year against the Bills, it was cold. And Skylar Thompson job. scored 31 points. And yep. I think back to the game against the Patriots in the playoffs in 2021, where the Bills scored, what, 46 points, 47 points, and it was negative degrees. I know that's the Bills, not the Miami Dolphins. But I think rain and snow and wind are a far bigger factor than just really cold temper. If sure. it's really cold and really windy, then okay, that's a problem. But if it's just really cold, I think most of those guys are still able to play in those conditions. And I can tell you one guy who I know can play in them, and it's the best player on their team. It's Tyreek Hill because he has done it when he played for the Kansas City Chiefs for all of those years. So he is used to it. He can produce in those conditions. It's all about Kintua. But if they get Jalen Waddle back, if they get Raheem Mostert back, if they're a little bit more healthy in this game, I give them a puncher's chance. I don't think they're going to win, but I certainly give them a chance because I don't know what the Kansas City Chiefs are. In the playoffs, I think they're terrifying because of the quarterback that they have. But on the surface... They look as vulnerable as they ever have with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. They look as beatable as they ever have. They could flip a switch and just go back to looking like the Kansas City Chiefs. It's basically the same roster that won the Super Bowl last year for a lot of the team. But I think the Dolphins have a chance. Sure. Shocking, I know. Right now, shocking, shocking that I'm the yeah, one who thinks the go. Dolphins have a chance. Ah. <laughs> um, the forecast right now calling for between like negative six and positive eight degrees Fahrenheit. Not, I mean, a, a win, a huge win, like 10, 15 miles more, and the snow should be gone. So you're right. It's really more about the cold elements there. Let me ask you this, though. Which team should Bills fans want to win? Because I'll give you the case for both, okay? The case is, yeah. if the Chiefs win, you get Patrick Mahomes here in Buffalo for the first ever road playoff game, and the Dolphins are knocked out, obviously. And mm -hmm. then you think about, do the Browns or Texans, whoever wins that game, have a chance to go to Baltimore and win, where the Cleveland Browns did already this year? I think they were they beat him at least. I don't remember what the game was. Or the other fly, side of the coin is do you root for the Dolphins, who then would have to go to Baltimore? The Bills then would get the winner of the Browns and Texans game at home. And how much of a chance do the Dolphins have of beating Baltimore? I don't know much of it all, but maybe. And if they did, they would come to Buffalo for the AFC championship for a third time. They'd face each other after beating them twice. Or obviously, Baltimore mm -hmm. would maybe do what they did to them a few weeks ago. What do you think is better? Okay. I'm pretty adamant about this one too. You, wow. I, you want the Dolphins to win. And it's not even a question. Okay. You want the Dolphins to win. Because who are you more who are you more confident going against for a spot? First off, you need to beat the Steelers. Like I am not looking past the Steelers. I want to make that incredibly not. clear. We if can do that though here on a podcast. We're not playing or coaching if, the game. If you beat the Steelers. Who would you feel more comfortable going against? Patrick Mahomes or CJ Stroud as a rookie or Joe Flacco? Who? I don't care about the rest of the teams. Who would you feel the most comfortable against? Because if you say I Mahomes, I'm going to say you're crazy. There you go. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco I mean, right because, now is Because CJ Stroud's playing a, a, amazing. Although I would say I might consider Stroud only because I think a rookie quarterback coming to Buffalo for a dome team down south against a Sean McDermott coach defense, that's a tough challenge. If the season start the season started on September 11th 
If I told you on September 10th, the Buffalo Bills had a chance to go to the AFC Championship and the quarterbacks that they needed to beat were Mason Rudolph and then any combination of C.J. Stroud or Joe Flacco, you would have been doing handstands. Bills (laughs) fans would have lost their minds. Avoid Pat. If you knew they were going to win, the answer is Mahomes because it's a better story. It's his first real road playoff game. It would be Josh beating Mahomes in the playoffs. It would be another chapter to the rivalry that a lot of people have compared to some of the great quarterback rivalries. But that's if you knew they were going to win. You don't know if they're going to win. And if I'm a Bills fan, I would much rather take my chances against either Flacco or CJ. Even knowing how good the Browns defense is, you should be able to beat Joe Flacco at home. And you don't even think about what's happening on the other side of the bracket until you get to that point, because you're going to have to beat somebody anyway. They can. They, there's not a team in the AFC that they cannot beat. Just handle your business in the easiest way possible to ultimately keep playing games. Eventually, you're going to have to beat somebody hard, but don't make it harder on yourself just because the story is cooler of Patrick Mahomes coming here. You make a compelling case. I'm not going to disagree. I, I I don't know what the answer is. I think it's probably what you just said. But I I mean, on my radio show, I've had people call and say they'd rather face Mahomes because they don't think that offense is that threatening. And going on the road, they think that that's the better matchup for the Bills. And the Bills would obviously have all of that built up. You know, we need to beat this team. And I don't know. That's I, I agree with you, though, right? I mean, like you look at the quarterbacks, Andy Reid, everything. Um, to me, it's magic. I, I know. Imagine suggesting you would rather play Patrick Mahomes and Isaiah Pacheco and Travis Kelsey than Joe Flacco, Jerome Ford, and David Njoku. And that's not a shot on any of those guys. And well, that, one of the one of the top defenses in the league there too. By the way, Kansas City's also very good. Kansas City's defense is good too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the that's Kansas right. City's defense shut the Bills down in the second half a month ago. They still won the game, but the Bills scored very, 20 points on them. So it's not this. like you made yeah, it clear. I, you're right. Because it just it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I get it. It's a cool story. And if that's what ultimately happens, it's a really fun thing to talk about. It'll be the best game of the weekend. It'll be the game in the best time slot at 6 o'clock on Sunday because everybody's going to want to see Allen and Mahomes for the third time in the playoffs and, like, the sixth time in the last three years. But it is not the best possible matchup for the Bills. It's just not. So who wins the Texans-Browns game anyway? I actually think the Texans do, even though I know the Browns defense is very good. I just think CJ Stroud has it. I think he's a really good player and it's also at home. So for them, not that I think the Texans have, you know, some ridiculous home field advantage or anything like that, but I think the tie in a close game goes to the home team and I think it's going to be a close game and I'll give the edge to the guy, the team with the better quarterback. I'm going to go Browns. I think um, this is a tough spot. Uh, it's a big spot. for. Uh, th- you know what they remind me of? The Texans remind me a lot of the 2019 Bills that went to Houston at the end of the season. They're, 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 they're good. They have a good quarterback. He's, he does so many great things. But at the end of the day, you know, this is a, a Browns team that's got veterans on it. Jim Schwartz coaching it. They did beat Texans, the Texans pretty handily, but that was without Stroud just a few weeks ago. But I, I'm going to go with the Browns, but I would not be surprised whatsoever if the Texans win. That is the 4.30 p.m. game Saturday. Go ahead. Was it handedly? Wasn't it, like, really close? No. They beat them up pretty good, I believe. Let me just look. The Browns beat the Texans uh, 36-22. Yeah. They beat by two scores. 
So yeah, I mean, but Flacco, that was without, it, yeah. yeah, Flacco in that, that was the game. game that Amari Cooper and John Scott's fantasy team destroyed oh, me. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Also had good. him. I also had Amari Cooper. That was the okay. Christmas Eve game. Yeah, I don't really remember much of the game just because it was the holiday. I mean, yeah. Joe Flacco, 368 in that game. Yeah. Three touchdowns. Also two interceptions. Joe Flacco has been somebody who has made inter- made mistakes and Josh Allen does it every game too. So I'm not saying that like that makes him a super flawed player or not. I just think that at some point, like this is a magical run. And I think at some point, usually that magical run comes to an end. And you can, um, you can move the ball sometimes against the um, Texans defense. So we'll see what Joe Flacco has in store. That is the 4:30 PM game on Saturday. And then right after that, the night game is the one we just talked about. That's the eight o'clock game. Dolphins chiefs. Bill Steelers get things kicked off on Sunday at 1 p.m. in Orchard Park. And then it's the Packers and the Cowboys. You get the Packers much of a chance with Jordan Love and the way he's playing right now? Yeah, well, I give him a, ch- a chance to hang around. But I think because it's Maybe. in Dallas, yeah. it's, Dallas, is a diff- Dallas is a different team when they're in their own building. They're a team that looks like offensively they can score 35 points as easy as you can snap your fingers. So I'm anticipating that they're going to be able to move the ball and score a bunch of points. I like Dak and CD, I think, more than probably most people do. I think they're a very legitimate combo at quarterback and at wide receiver. And I think they've actually got a pretty good path into potentially the Super Bowl. I think that right now, besides the 49ers, they would be, if I was ranking the teams in both conferences from one to five of whose chances I liked the best to get to the Super Bowl, I think it's 49ers and Ravens are one and two in whatever order you put them. And then Bills and Cowboys are three, four, and then I would put the Chiefs just right there because they still have Patrick Mahomes. The Sunday night game is the the Gofford Bowl. I re- I just made that up literally on the spots. It's Goff <laughs> against Stafford, and the two guys got traded for each other. You know, several years ago. It's a good game. Looks like a good game. You know, matchup wise, Rams at Lions. Um, you know, I know the Lions have have really played well this year. A lot of times, I just. There's something about like a lot of times they just they fall short when you kind of need them the most, it seems like. And the Rams have been a little bit more consistent, I think. I do think the Lions have a lot of talent. I just feel like the Rams are going to go in there and win because they're a little more steady. And the Lions seem like they're just very much an emotional roller coaster. Do you think it's going to be a close game? You know, Matt, I, I guess I do. But. I honestly think we could get a blowout either way in this game. I don't know what to think about this game. Not, I don't know. My, my thing that I do, and this is incredibly flawed because whenever I bet, I lose. And a lot of times when I predict, I'm wrong. But if the games are close, I always just look at the quarterback and I go, the tie goes to the quarterback. If I think the game, if the line is within three points or so, I go, okay, where is the game? And which quarterback do I like more? And I think Jared Goff is fine, but I also think that if you pressure Jared Goff, he's going to make mistakes, True. and I trust Stafford more. So that's why I think the Rams are going to win that game, even though they're on the road, even though it's going to be a super emotional game for probably both sides. And for Jared, it's just as much, probably even more so, a revenge game for Jared Goff as it is for Matthew Stafford. I mean, they kicked Jared Goff to the curb because they didn't think he was good enough. Matthew Stafford has already won one. So I, I think it's going to be a game that, Matt, they're just so talented with Matthew Stafford, with Kyron Williams, with Cooper Cup, with Puka Nakua, with Aaron Dot. There's just so much star power there. And I love Dan Campbell, but Sean McVay is still the top tier or one of the top tier coaches in this league. 
Goff's numbers are better than Stafford's overall this year. Yeah, but I don't trust him more than I trust Matt Stafford. I'd agree with that. Um, all right, the Monday night game is the 4-5 matchup in the NFC, and the Eagles are in a free fall here. They go to Tampa, mm -hmm. and here we go again with the NFC South champ, right? I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they, that division, man, it's just spit out just not great champions over the last couple of years. But, hey, you can only play who's in front of you. They get to the um, first round here. They get the Monday night game, the Eagles and the Bucks. I have a suspicion the Bucks might win this game because I just you can't trust what the Eagles are right now and who they are. I don't have that same thought. I think that the Eagles are free falling, but I still think that they will figure it out at least at least for a week. I don't think that they're good enough to go to the Super Bowl because I think the 49ers are way better than them. I think the Cowboys are better than them, and even the Rams I would say are better than them. But it's I just I, I'm not in on the Bucks. I think Baker can play well, but I don't think he has the ceiling that Jalen Hurts has. And once again, give me the team with the quarterback. I think they figure it out, and I think they at least win this game until they probably eventually get eliminated next weekend. Sorry about that. I had my mic muted, by the way. Sorry about that. Baker's played really well. <laughs> so if you just you've got some dead air for a second there, that's why. Uh, Baker's played really well. Like the second half of the year, he's played really mm -hmm. well, and that shouldn't be discounted. But I understand what you're saying, and they are the more talented team. How about a lot of talk out of Philly about maybe even moving on from Sirianni? I just don't think that's. I, I mean, that is a little bit of premature to me, considering he took him to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, did I tell the cousin Nick story on this podcast? Did I tell you this? Yeah, that you are related somehow. Well, it's like I don't actually know that, but it's funny because you know oh. we're both. It's I, I think we're very distantly related, and I did not know that until last year when I went and did a story with him and his family down yep. at Southwestern. But yeah, so watch it because you're talking about a family member. One, but two, if they love Vrabel, like Vrabel seems to be the guy that is going to kind of have his pick of where he wants to go. If right. you love Mike Vrabel. Imagine Mike Vrabel going from the Titans. No knock on them. They had some years where they were good. I mean, they were the one seed not that long ago. But imagine going from that to Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and all of the talent that that team has. They could be a real force with him. So I don't think they should move on. They were in the Super Bowl last year, and they're in the playoffs this year. But if you know that you're going to get that guy and he's the one you want, then well, I, you know, I don't think it's impossible. Who's Mike Rabel coaching next year? He's going to coach somewhere, right? I mean, if he wants to, he's a head coach. Are the, the odds on the Patriots right now? The New England Patriots, I would say. Yeah, I, th I just think it makes a little bit too much sense, right? I think that I think so it's, interest it's interesting because now there's another, now that the Seahawks job is open, I think yeah. that job is also pretty intriguing. Yeah. It's it just for me the connections to New England just seem too strong and too obvious for it to but I'm also not convinced that they're definitely moving on from Belichick. Because agreed and that feels like that would have out here. Feels like if it would have happened it would have happened already. Yeah, and by the way, we we just found out the Seahawks stuff a little while ago. We also found out Nick Saban is retiring. So really interesting, you know, coaching I don't know some legends obviously in Saban and maybe Belichick and obviously a guy who's a staple in the NFL for a long time and at USC and won championships Pete Carroll so we'll see where it all goes but um some interesting job openings it looks like speaking of that 
Um, what is the best job opening? I'll give you these. Ready? Let's just say the Patriots become open. I'm not going to give you the Eagles. We'll stay Patriots, though. We'll count mm-hmm. Patriots as open. We'll go also Seahawks, Titans, Raiders, Panthers, Chargers, Falcons, Commanders. Even though they're in Capel Chargers because yes. you have the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely new slate because there's no general manager. So I think that as an organization, it's probably better to completely start fresh than to try and make something work with a GM who's already been there. And then you're hiring a new coach. I I like the idea. It's almost like what the bills did where they had Sean McDermott and Doug Whaley hired him while the Pagulas hired him. And then he was gone a couple months later and then Brandon Bean came in and it's kind of always been the Bean and McDermott show. I think when you guys come in together, it probably puts you a little bit more in lockstep and your vision is maybe a little bit clear. So to me, I think the Chargers job is the most intriguing because even though they've got a lot of things they need to figure out with their salary cap, at least they have the quarterback. And if they have... If they're trying to find somebody, I feel like Vrabel would be, of course, the one that everybody immediately goes to. But I also think Belichick. Belichick's available. I mean, I know what you have said multiple times on the show about Belichick Mm -hmm. without Brady, and I'm not comparing Herbert to Brady, but I think if you're Belichick, you are trying to go somewhere where your path to winning is immediate, and I think that is the most immediate path to winning because I just can't see like that guy going to Washington. Or that guy going to Carolina or, or somewhere where there's not a bona fide legit quarterback. He needs to go somewhere where he can win 15 games in the next two or three years, try and win a Super Bowl, and then go hang out with Nick Saban on a golf course. <laughs> One more name I'll throw at you. Do you think Jim Harbaugh coaches in the NFL next year? I do. Me I too. Def- Me I too. definitely do. So and I think it's Raiders, Chargers, Raiders. I think all these. But the, the one I, I'll give uh, Colin Coward credit for this. I was listening to me and it made sense. He threw out the commanders because his brother lives in Baltimore. Mom and dad would be able to watch both them. They wouldn't have to compete against each other in the same conference. And there's obviously a lot of money there they could pay him. Sure. But if you get an offer, if you're Jim Harbaugh and you have the pick of the litter of where you want to go and you've got the Seahawks offering, the Raiders offering, the Chargers offering, and the commanders offering – are you really excited about the roster that they have in place in Washington? No, no but I don't think I don't I don't know if you care as much for Jim Harbaugh. I think he's a culture changer and he would just say, I'm gonna go in there and you know, they're gonna they'll they'll figure it out, they'll turn it around. I think he's that kind of guy. I agree with that. I think the other things might matter to him more. But under Hunter understand anybody who's on the market would probably be, as you just stated earlier, most attracted to the Chargers job. I think that's right because of Justin Herbert. And look, I mean, you give a chance to go out and you know. Um, be a head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders and that franchise and new stadium, basically in Las Vegas, Nevada. I mean, you know, this is very appealing there. There's no doubt, but I do think those mm-hmm. other things would matter to a guy like Jim Harbaugh. What's the worst job? What do you think is the least intriguing job? Cause I think I so, might've said Washington. I'm glad you're asking me this because um, I'm actually, I'm people are listening to this. We're recording. I should say on Wednesday night, I'm hosting the morning show with Jeremy White on Thursday. And I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to rank the jobs on where, mm-hmm. what are most at least, and I think I have the Patriots last. It's either that or the Titans to me. I don't put the commanders there because commanders have a lot of money. They're going to be committed mm-hmm. to try and winning, and they have a really high draft pick. Where are the commanders picking? Hold on. They're second. They're picking second overall. They're going to get Drake May. They're going to get Caleb Williams. They don't get Drake May. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's – so you talk about Harbaugh. Harbaugh might say, yes, give me Drake May, and I'll just mold him. Like, that's why I think mm-hmm. that's a tr- an attractive job. You really think the Patriots is the worst? <clears throat> I think it's interesting. They have nothing. 
except salary cap. They have they have room under the salary cap. They have nothing as far as a roster. They have no quarterback. They have no playmakers. And also, by the way, you're following Bill Belichick. That's the thing. That's because you always want to ever. This is not an original map of a thought. This is something that a lot of people have said. You always want to be the guy following the other guy. You don't want to be right. the guy following Belichick. You don't want to be right. the guy following Brady. You want to be the guy following Mac Jones because right. the bar has clearly lowered. So for Belichick following that guy, that's why it feels like the only people who could do that are probably like Gerard Mayo or Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Because if Mike Vrabel goes there and it doesn't work out, guess what? Mike Vrabel is still going to be beloved in New England because of his time as a player and all that they accomplished. So that's why I think he might be the one way of kind of skirting around that whole idea. But if they just bring back some other guy or they just hire somebody random and they fail, then it's going to be a super intriguing job for the next person because the expectations are going to be there. And then the whole conversation is restoring the team back to the days we once were at. And I think the Patriots is interesting. The one thing about the Patriots is it does not feel like at least from my perspective, that they're immediately trying to get good again. I think they realize that this needs to be a slow, methodical build. I don't know if I get that sense with really any of the other openings. All of those other teams, I feel like, are trying to kind of turn things around and do it quickly. Like with the the, commanders, for example. Well, that might be true. That might be true, but I think Robert Kraft wants to win now. He's not getting any younger. But I agree with you. Like that, that that you almost have to, you almost have to get into that spot, especially in this division, the AFC East. Mm-hmm. The Patriots are destined for fourth place for the next several years if Aaron Rodgers is healthy. I know there's some salary cap challenges with all these teams, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's there's they they're not going to compete in this division anytime soon. It seems like. Well, I I don't know if I agree with that though. And my thought behind that is, if you get a quarterback, right, and you get a couple pieces on offense, they could. They have the third pick th- by the way. You, they've got the third pick. So yeah. let's say they go out and get a quarterback and they get Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. Like, what if they go get Russell Wilson and Marvin okay. Harrison Jr.? And then they get another free agent because they've got a bunch of money that they can spend. Their defense is good and their defense was banged up. Then it would just be all about the offensive line. I don't think they're that far away from being. You just named like four positions and one position group that they need. They'd still be the fourth best team in the division. But, but the, what is the Jets? Out, the Jets' outlook is it, it, maybe it's great next year if you have Aaron Rodgers healthy. Right. But so what is that? One more year, right? And then they're just back to the same position, and that's Probably. why if you're the Patriots, you've got this opportunity of Josh Allen is still going to be in this division and should dominate this division for the next several years. But it's the same thing we talked about in Buffalo for all those years. You're trying to get up while those other teams are starting to come back down. And even though I think the bills are still the best team in the division, I think it's also realistic that they might start to dip a little bit and come back closer to the teams that are chasing them just because they are getting older at almost every position. One other coach that uh, we don't know his future. There's been a lot of talk about it is Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The bills play the Steelers 1 PM Sunday in Orchard park. We're going to talk with Andrew Filipponi of 93.7. The fan Coming up here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's welcome into It's Always Game Day in Buffalo from our Odyssey sister station, 93.7, The Fan in Pittsburgh. And, of course, the First in Pod podcast with Danny Parkins, where they talk all about gambling and gives you a lot of picks every week. Um, Andrew Filipponi, how are you doing on those picks this year, Andrew? I know you you talk a lot every week about you know where people should place their money. How did it turn out for you this year? Well, I had the Steelers to make the playoffs. And that bet looked terrible around uh, – Christmas time. And then thanks to Mason Rudolph and him flying in to rescue the Steelers season that saved my ass. That was my biggest bet before the season started was them to get in. Uh, I had multiple options on FanDuel to cash the bet out for little to no money. And I uh, didn't cut my losses, thankfully. And so, yeah, that was my big one sale. Uh, I have a Buffalo bet to win the Super Bowl. That I got when they were six and six. 35 so, to one? 35 to one. Is that when you got it? Yep. I have 35 yep. to one. Uh, so a little conflict of interest here with this game on Sunday because I've already won my Steelers bet. And now part of me wants to root for Buffalo to come in. But if it happens, it's at the expense of the Steelers. So it's kind a, of a devil on a sh- one shoulder and an angel on another for this game sale. I got you. I got you. Now I do know before the season, you took a little grief from Bills fans. You did not predict the Bills to make the playoffs. You did pick the Steelers. You predicted the Bills to miss the playoffs. You, I mean, yes. a lot of people thought they would take a step back. Here they are maybe playing their best football of the year, or at least, you know, winning at least the last, you know, five weeks or so. What do you make of the Bills from the outside from watching this team from afar? Well, I got tricked by the preseason, and I fully admit that. The preseason screwed me, and I watched the Steelers dominate that game against the Bills. I ended up basing a lot of my Steelers predictions on silly stuff that happened in August. And I'll never make that mistake again. I don't give a damn anymore about what happens in preseason or training camp. I'm not going to get hoodwinked or bamboozled by any of that garbage anymore. I probably won't watch the games anymore. Uh, So that was a big mistake by me, a blunder that made me downgrade Buffalo before the season started and upgrade the Steelers to the point where I thought they could actually compete for a Super Bowl and be one of the best teams in the NFL. So that's on me. I don't think I was totally wrong about Buffalo. I mean, they needed to to fire uh, Ken Dorsey, and I was never a Dorsey guy. I said it before the season. I was very cynical of that, uh, of his. I thought with Dable gone last year, I thought their offensive play calling in certain moments and situations left a lot to be desired, and I think it's been 
considerably better with Brady. So, yeah, I give the Bills, uh, just like the Steelers did, both teams had the courage to fire their offensive yeah. plate callers in the middle of the season, and I think both teams benefited from that decision. You, you just said you got bamboozled into thinking the Steelers could be a Super Bowl team, and here we are, and they're in the playoffs. Is there no expectation whatsoever that they could go on None. any sort of run? Literally not at not. all. No, there's not. I mean, there's a little bit of – well, you got to realize, first of all, Matt, let me just say this. You know, the Steelers, anytime they make the playoffs and they get in as one of the last seeds and they have a winning streak to close the season, inevitably we get uh, a deluge of Steelers fans who start to bring up 2005 when they won four regular season games at the end of the year and then went on to win the Super Bowl. So that always happens. We get hit over the head with that whenever there's some kind of magical run to this to the playoffs for the Steelers Fans like to harken back because they have fond memories of when they won that Super Bowl with Cower and Jerome Bettis and everybody else in Ben's second year. So not a ton of that has happened this year, but what has stunned me and shocked me is that from where fans were a month ago, hating this team, wanting the coach fired, thinking that Kenny Pickett was a horrible draft pick, wanting to blow the whole thing up. Many of them have now convinced themselves, and I've, Data to back this up, a Twitter poll of our listeners, more than 50% have predicted the Steelers to beat the Bills. They've now convinced themselves that this massive upset is going to happen on Sunday and that the biggest reason why it's going to happen is because Josh Allen is going to shoot himself in the foot so many times that the Steelers are going to capitalize on that. It is shocking to me. This is a guy that many Steelers fans, including myself, have seen a lot of Big Ben in, a lot of Mm -hmm early years, uh, prime Big Ben, and now fans are like, he's going to turn the ball over so many times, and that's how the Steelers are going to win. It's wild. I don't agree with it. It's been fun to watch the interaction and see people talk themselves into it after where they were a month ago, but yeah, uh, I I give them zero chance. I give them next to no chance to win the game on Sunday, but Steelers fans, after thinking this team was going to lose out and finish 7-10, and uh, now think that they are going to beat Buffalo and pull off one of the more stunning upsets we've seen in the playoffs in the last few years. Andrew Filipponi here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. I said to Matt earlier, even if the four guys, let's say, who are you know right now dealing with injuries for the Bills, very good players, starters, if they were all out, collectively it would not be as significant as T.J. Watt being out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, name those four guys for me again, Sale. Uh, Gabe Davis, Rasul Douglas, Taylor Rapp, and Ty Johnson or Tyrell Dodson. Sorry, I mean starting I like corner, the, starting. I receiver, like Douglas a lot. Linebacker. I mean Douglas yeah. has four interceptions in eight games. He's been a big difference maker for you guys. So that's an interesting one. Now the whole wind thing is a whole other conversation about how that's going to affect the game. There's obviously been a lot said and written about that in the last few hours. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing Steelers fans have somehow uh, erased from their memories is what like the men in black pen, what happened in the, in the, in the 2022 season when Watt was out, they went one in six. They only won one game. And that was when Tom Brady decided to go to Robert Kraft's wedding two days before they played the Steelers. And he came in here and played like complete garbage <laughs> and they won that game without him. Then Chase Claypool played well, which goes to show you what a miracle <laughs> win that was yeah. for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, Watt is, 
Watch the best, for my money, the best defensive player in the NFL. You can give me pro football focus grades all you want. Uh, he led the league in sacks, quarterback hits, and he had an interception on Matthew Stafford in a game around the midpoint of the season where if he doesn't drop back into coverage and make that play, they lose the game and they're not in the playoffs. He can beat you any number of different ways, stop the run, bat down passes at the line of scrimmage, force fumbles, pick the ball off if he needs to. They don't beat the Bills in week one two years ago. In Ben's last season, if Watt doesn't come off the couch after missing all the training camp in the preseason and play like an absolute menace. So I don't get where Steelers fans are coming from with this. Uh, they've given up in their last three playoff games, 45, 48, and 42 points. And now Steelers fans seem to think that defensively they're going to be better off without their best defensive player. The backups are better, Golden and Herbig, than they've been in years. But there's no replacing TJ Watt and. I think the Bills, as long as the weather is not insane on Sunday, will score a lot of points on the Steelers' defense. Where is the weakness? Obviously, T.J. Watt is him, and you know everybody knows about Highsmith, and they know about Hayward, and I know Minka Fitzpatrick looks like he might be coming back. Where is the weakness? Where are the Bills able to attack them if the weather is not 50, 60-mile-an-hour gusts like we saw in that Patriots game a couple years ago? A lot of different places. Their inside linebackers stink, and that's not the Steelers' fault. They all got hurt. So you guys have obviously had the Milano injury. This team had the guys they picked up in the offseason. All three guys have gotten injured. Cole Holcomb lost for the year. Uh, Quan Alexander done for the season. Alandon Roberts is going to play, but he has a bad peck injury. And he's a guy that they really just signed to be a run stopper. And now they've been forced to use him as a three-down guy. You remember him from Miami and New England. So the Bills are no stranger to him. Uh, and now they're playing guys like Miles Jack, who had – purchased a minor league hockey team and started the transition to become a plumber in life. He actually wow. uh, applied. Yes. I give him credit in a way that he makes millions of dollars and wants to like ply That's his cool. trade doing yeah. that kind of blue collar work. But that is true. He wears number 16 and he's give, and he played off the practice squad, something like 70% of the snaps in the game against Baltimore. Your tight end should kill them. Uh, mm -hmm. Kincaid and Knox should have, field days against the Steelers. Their second corner and third corner are major weaknesses. Uh, guys, Levi Wallace has been terrible this year. And I and I was and I had been a big Levi Wallace fan. I thought he got by some Bills fans, probably not you boys, but got murdered for what happened by some in that last 13 seconds for the job he did. I don't think any of that was really his fault. Um, but he was a steady player last year. He has taken a major step back this season. Um, and what they're going to probably do is move Patrick Peterson back from safety to corner in this game. He's been hit or miss up and down this year. Their slot corner has just been uh, uh, horrendous. So those are the places. And honestly, their defensive line too, I would say. Hayward, great name, all-time great stealer, but has been injured for most of the season and has been playing through it and He's not the player that he was even when they played the Bills last year in this game when they lost 38-3. to So a lot of different places to beat them. Their defense has lived off of those edge rushers this year. When Highsmith and Watt play well, they typically have good defensive games. That uh, Miles Jack story reminds me of you know, the group Boys to Men, the tall guy with the deep voice. Michael McCary is his name. And he like left the group to become an accountant because he really wanted to become an accountant someday. And he was in Boise. My uncle is an accountant in Buffalo. He's very <laughs> worried about this game. I don't know why. I've tried to convince him. Maybe he'll watch this podcast now or listen to it and he'll uh, be persuaded <laughs> by your rhetoric. Well, yeah. 
let me uh, let me ask you about the offensive side. Uh, the change to Mason Rudolph. Tell me what's basically truth and what's fiction about Mason Rudolph. Like, what is hey that this guy has this, and what is you know what you know? Th there's some things there that you, you just can't really read a lot into that are going right. Definitely is processing things a lot better than he was when he started his last game a couple of years ago. Uh, I've been stunned by how much more uh, comfortable and calm he looks playing the position. I thought that was one of his worst attributes and traits as a player. I thought he panicked way too often, especially in the red area when they'd have drives and then they would stall out because they'd ask him to throw a pass and the you know, the, the, the part of the field where everything's congested and clogged up. And I thought he would really kind of just completely freak out. Uh, he's done so much better at that. He's gone through his read so fast. You know, if first read isn't open, he's off to the second and third read. And it's not just, okay, first guy's not open. I'm just going to dump it off to a running back or something. He'll go to the second or third receiver, even the tight end. Like I just don't remember him really since he played at Oklahoma state as being a guy that could do that. And things obviously were so much easier there because people were open all the time. Right. Um, he's always been a beautiful deep ball thrower. It's not a huge arm like Allen's. It's not even as good, a good of arm as Trubisky, mm. uh, but it's an accurate deep ball downfield. And I think that's what happened against Cincinnati. The Bengals were so scared to death that Fryermuth was going to have another big game because he killed him in the first matchup. They played the middle of the field and then Pickens went off. And then I think Seattle started to make an adjustment and, you know, Rudolph was able to uh, step up to the challenge there and still get the ball distributed around to guys. Uh, Pickens came to life in that game too. So it doesn't take much for Pickens. You give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. He's one of those guys. He led the league in yards per catch. He is a knucklehead and a frustrating player, but God, is he talented. And I would say the same thing about Johnson, who's less talented, but can be an equal part headache. But when he wants to be, he's a very good route runner. And when his hands don't betray him like they did in Buffalo a few years ago when he got benched, he can yeah. be a pretty effective player. So, yeah, he's untapped those guys. Um, the team definitely seems to be railing around it. He believes in himself. And we'll see how far it takes him. I mean, it's a huge upgrade over what they got from Trubisky uh, and even Pickett this year. He looks like a totally different quarterback. He completes a ton of his passes. He hasn't turned the ball over. He had a horrible throw at the beginning of the Baltimore game on a third down that should have been an interception, and he did not have another turnover-worthy play the rest of the game in horrible weather. So I've just been shocked by how well he's played since taking over for Trubisky. My uh, my casual observer from sitting here and watching Steelers games, whether they're playing before the Bills or after the Bills or whatever it is, I just sit, and I know it's more complicated than this, but I just sit there and they say, why don't you throw it to Pickens like, double the amount that you do because he is so talented. Is it because they just did not have a quarterback that could get it to him? And now they seem to have somebody who can, or is it that he's just streaky? He's hot and cold. I think that's part of it. Um, I do think that there's some, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, just to, to answer your first, to, to answer your opinion first, like it's a, it was a major uh outcry from fans and one of the big chief reasons why they wanted the clueless offensive coordinator uh, sacked was because he could not consistently find ways to get George Pickens the ball. So yeah, that, that's, that is a failure of the offense where a guy like that only catches the ball 40 something times in a season uh, or 60 something times in a season, just a total debacle by them 60 something times uh, just inexcusable. Uh, but there is more to it. I mean, the dude definitely 
uh, takes plays off and has a lot of that like bad Randy Moss in him where he's very uh, temperamental. He's, I think, very mercurial. And those types of things happen play to play, quarter to quarter, game to game with him. And I think that those same things plagued him at Georgia. I think more than the knee injury, I think that's why he he sunk to the second round. Because I think that the guy came with not off the field baggage, but just some maturity baggage and professional baggage that guys just didn't, cook teams just didn't want to have to deal with. Um, I do think that from a route running standpoint, there's still a lot of growth there. I mean, if if Stefan Diggs is a 10 out of 10 in that regard, I think Pickens is like maybe a three or four. So I think there's a lot of growth there for him. Um, I do think the quarterbacks have a lot to do with it. He could never get on the same page with Pickett. Uh, and I also think the quarterbacks were under pretty strict, maybe not orders, but a trickle-down effect from the way the coach viewed the team and the offense. I think he wanted to win a lot of games with defense, and there was a tendency to play not to lose and ask the quarterback to just not turn the ball over and win games ugly. And I think when you do that, you know, it takes away maybe the risk reward of throwing the ball up to him and asking him to make a play. They tried that in Indianapolis, and there was an interception by Trubisky, and it was one of the bigger uh, turning point plays of the game. So, yeah, I mean, Pickens, I thought going into the year he was going to be one of the 10 best receivers in the NFL, and he's let me down big time in that regard. All right, last one from me, and we appreciate your time, man. Um, sure, Sal. I want to ask you about Mike Tomlin's future. And there's been a lot here. I'm a, I'm a Mike Tomlin fan, but I understand the sentiment. We we have the same thing in here. You have this guy that's really successful. He doesn't have a Lombardi, Sean McDermott, but you have this guy that's really successful. But at some point, fans ask, has have they hit their ceiling under him? Right. And I think that's what's going on there in Pittsburgh and probably some other things too about what fans feel. Um, but he's wildly successful, and there's a lot of rumblings about maybe him not being in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, however that navigates itself, whether it's him or the team or trade or whatever. What do you think? Think a lot about it, Sal. It's probably something that I, I mean, I, the, if I added up the sheer number of hours I've talked about this topic in my life, it has to accrue to like more than two or three years now. If you add up the time we've spent doing this, because it, it really is for me uh, a lightning rod topic. And I think my opinion of Tomlin has more and more become one of the has become a majority opinion. I, I think, you know, for a while, Tomlin nationally has gotten credit for, wow, well, look at the team on paper and to just get this team to 10 and seven, like this year or last year, man, to get them to nine wins or, you know, the year that uh, Hodges and Rudolph were, were in at quarterback to get them to eight and eight, like he gets credit for, for getting them to be an average or slightly above average team because, I think nationally people look at the team on paper and think, well, there's deficiencies, there's weaknesses, there's holes. That ignores the fact that the guy has a gigantic say in their roster construction right. and their overall team philosophy and everything else. So this is not a situation where Kevin Colbert would draft the players and Mike Tomlin would have to make chicken salad out of chicken bleep. It was not that. He goes, you see him on the senior uh, bowl uh, thing you see him going to pro days, you see him personally interviewing players. 
He doesn't have the Bill Belichick, Zara football title, but he is as involved in their roster building, drafting, and signing and trading the players of any coach in the NFL. So if they have a bad team or a mediocre team, that is on him. And in a lot of ways, like the way Belichick, the GM, has betrayed Belichick, the coach, I think some of that has gone on with Mike. Now, the other problem Mike has, Sale, is that he has surrounded himself with really obscure, anonymous assistant coaches. His last two offensive coordinators are Matt Canada, who wouldn't get a college job uh, with uh, at the top 25 college teams in America, looked at him. He was just a free agent in the college coaching carousel, and no one hired him after he was fired by the Steelers. And that's where he cut his teeth. He's a college coordinator who was given an opportunity in the pros and swung and missed badly and struck out. The guy before that, Randy Feekner, who Tomlin had worked for in college and Roethlisberger had forged a friendship with, that dude is in his 50s and he's been out of football for three years and no one's hired him, not even as like a quarterback's coach. So he's in control of his own staff. That doesn't come from the general manager, the owner. And I think that's let him down a lot too. So these are the types of things I think where if you're not in the bubble, if you're not around the Steelers every day, and you're just talking from ESPN or Fox in LA or something, or even like you guys looking in when the Steelers play the Bills, might not know that. And I think that that's partial. That's a big reason why I've got questions about Mike Tomlin. It's going to be seven years without a playoff win if they lose on Sunday. That's the second longest drought in franchise history. We have no idea. If Kenny Pickett's a good quarterback, that's a guy that he wanted in the draft. Uh, He wanted them to bring in Mitch Trubisky as a potential starting quarterback. He was okay with Roethlisberger playing an extra year. There's a lot of things, Sal. Um, He coached his butt off the last three games, but you could also argue he went to Rudolph too late. And after the Arizona game, he started Trubisky against New England. And when that didn't work, he started him again against Indianapolis. So it's kind of like Josh Allen or the Bills in one sense. You, have, you give them credit for digging themselves out of a six and six hole, but you also have to acknowledge the fact that they started six and six. And why right. did that happen? So mm-hmm. I think it gets complicated here. It's more black and white with me. I think if he were to leave after this season, there'd be a good time for the Steelers to go out and get one of these great offensive minds, Sal, and see if they can tap that deep reservoir of offensive coaches right now who can find a quarterback to get this franchise back and where where you guys are where you feel like with Josh Allen you're going to have a chance to compete for championships for the next 10 years well that's certainly foreign to us at least for the last uh five years things have been different you've already said you don't think there's a chance that they you said it's close to zero that the Steelers can come to Buffalo and win the game so I won't ask you can they win I'll ask you can they cover do you think it'll be close or do you think it's going to be a blowout I don't I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a bloodbath I really do uh, I don't even buy, and people were trying to talk me into it today, including my co-host a little. Actually, he did, and he talked me out of it, as a matter of fact. I'm not even sure the win thing is going to be a big help for them. If anything, it's just going to turn the Bills more into a running offense, and with Cook and with the way Allen runs the ball, I'm not particularly interested or excited about that prospect. Uh, as much as I'm uh, pleasantly surprised and happy for Rudolph, I do think the bubble can burst. I mean, If you look at the quarterbacks that have gone into Buffalo this year, Russell Wilson played the best game, and you needed a 12-man on the field penalty at the end for Denver to even win that game. So it's going to take a special teams play. It's going to take multiple turnovers. It's going to take them hitting a long play or something with Pickens. I mean, 
five or six or seven or eight things would have to break right for them to win the game. Maybe half of that would have to break right for them to um, cover. But look at the Bills. Average margin of victory at home this year. It's up in the double digits. They're a 10-point favorite for a reason. I'm happy for you guys. When the Steelers get knocked out, I'll be rooting for Buffalo. I want them to finally get us to get a Super Bowl. I think it would be great for the city, their fans, my uncle, all my friends that I have back there in Buffalo and Western New York. Yeah, I mean, I would be living vicariously through you will be and rooting for you hard once the Steelers get knocked out, and that'll happen. It won't even be 4 o'clock on Sunday. We'll know by about 2.30 on Sunday that the Bills are moving on to the next round. Andrew actually did get a chance to live in Buffalo. He was on WGR for a little while. He was. Uh, you were here, what, 09, 10, around that area, right? I was there for the Dick Duran era. Dick did not like me at all. <laughs> he hated my guts, as a matter of fact. Wow. Um. Yep. Their PR director, I think, complained to my boss about me. I don't even really know what I did wrong, Sal. I was just me. It's not even like I was going on the air, killing the guy and pounding the guy. He just had a problem with me, I guess. I don't know, but well, listen, yeah, there was there's, fun times. There's been plenty of stories about that from back around that time period and before here in Buffalo. With I didn't like get the I didn't get the Christmas football. I knew they used to give out like a chocolate football. <laughs> Did you know about yeah. the story sale? You wear this? No, no. I, I did tell us, please. Okay, so they used to give out and other like media members from that, like Paul Paul Hamilton. I think could, uh, yes, could could. could uh, or yes. Mike Shope or Chris Parker, any of those guys yes. would back me up on this. They would give out like a happy holidays, big chocolate football to the media members that they liked. And then if you didn't get one, you would know that you were oh in their cross whores or on their naughty list. Come and on. I'm serious, man. I'm dead serious. Well, about Sally, that. He's, he's a hundred percent right. Even I know about this. Oh, I, I, I definitely heard the story about the chocolate footballs uh, before. Yes. Now oh, I was in my early twenties at the time. And there was a lot going on. Bars were open until 4 a.m. So, you know, yeah. maybe I'm a little yeah. bit hazy on the exact facts of this. But, yeah, I remember it being a big deal that I didn't get a chocolate football in uh, December of 2008. Apparently, the Bills <laughs> starting 4-0 and that year and finishing 7-9 and and the critical coverage they received, uh, they thought was out of bounds. But whatever. Good times. Wow. Edwards, Stevie Johnson, oh, things of that God. nature. Well, now you're covering uh, all things Pittsburgh sports, 93.7 The Fan, first in pod with Danny Parkins. Um, you know, we, you and I have talked many times. First time we get to see each other on video, so it's good to see you, buddy. And you I too, Sal. You're doing a great job, man. Keep it up. You two guys rock. Thank you. All right, thank no, you. Thank that you. is uh, Andrew Filipponi, and we are always game day in Buffalo. Matt Bobe, WKBW-TV Channel 7, Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550. Enjoy the game. We'll be on. After that, of course, to tell you all about it. And thanks to our producer, Mike Rabier, here on It's Always Getting to Buffalo. Matt, have a great rest of your week. Stay warm, buddy. Thanks, buddy.